Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to Kai Talks, the podcast. In today's episode, we interview a very interesting young man, local comedian and entertainer Kwame Weeks. We've all seen his viral content and his hilarious one-man comedy sketches. But who is he really? Who is Kwame Weeks? And how did he find his way to comedy? Stay tuned as I share with you our live Facebook interview, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, Kwame. <laughs> Hello. Hello. This interview has Hi. been a while, a long time in coming, right? I know. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. They're trying to mind my business. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> we actually did this interview for those of you not coming on. We did this interview since I think it was Independence Day 2018. Yeah. And um Jeez. yeah, you're right. It's two years now. And I remember <laughs> that they had a flat tire, all kind of drama. Yeah, we're gonna have a thing. Prevented us from having a good, a good interview, and we we did it. And we neither of us really like the product, so we are not yeah. shut for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then life got but really like hectic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the people now coming on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook. We're live on Facebook. All right, cool. So for those of you who probably are now meeting me for the first time, my name is Kyla Richards. I'm an attorney at law, and I'm just like this big ball of passion. I'm excited about encouraging and uplifting people. And I'm really keen on sharing stories that inspire people. And on this journey, we are about to interview Kwame Weeks because I've been observing him for a few years now. And I've always been keen to understand, you know, when you see people doing great things or interesting novel things, what really was the journey like to getting there? So many of us have dreams, aspirations. We're afraid to get started. We think that people doing big things had a smooth journey or that they have some special gift or talent and that you aren't that gifted. Um, But when we hear their stories, it humanizes them and it makes you realize, hey, you know what? We're all here for a purpose. We're all gifted with different abilities and I just have to get started. They're human just like I am. So that's why we're here with Kwame. The man behind the bars. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, who yeah, is, yeah. Who is Kwame Weeks? Lol. Um, well, the, the cool thing about, about the little story that started off with the fact that we did this two years ago is that you wanted to do this even before I was the man behind the bars, before I was what, what most people know me as now. So you, you get some really? points there. Yes, I do one. Yes, I do one. <laughs> 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 I I don't know. I'm I'm many things. I guess fundamentally I'm a, I'm trying to be an artist. Um and I use comedy as my outlet to express myself. I have opinions about the world and I'm arrogant enough to think other people should hear them. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I, I use comedy, but I didn't start off with comedy, I started off as a writer. I still write, still try to write. Mm-hmm. Um, from poetry to short stories, ultimately TV. Um, but yeah, right now is is comedy. Okay, cool. So you said you discovered that you like to write, or you used to write as well. So comedy wasn't where you started, right? Um, right. So, so I want to understand a little bit about like your early educational journey. Did you at any point um, in like high school or university? realize that hey i like comedy i could do this thing 
at what point along the journey, really, you came to understand that you had a passion for this thing? So tell us a little bit about your educational history and like how all of this kind of tied in. All right. Um, the history kind of all over the place, to be honest. It don't make <laughs> sense when you're talking about But education-wise, I went presentation college, San Fernando. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have any passion for comedy or anything in like at that period of my life. The things I was okay. passionate about was football, um, girls, and, <laughs> uh, and God. <laughs> football, yeah. girls, and God. You right. know, um, so so much so that after secondary school, when most of my friends went on to university, you know, that's the next step that you yeah. take. I actually went to missionary school. Um, Catholic missionary school as a Catholic. Uh, I was the first time this, the, the church in Trinidad was going to do something like that, and I was the I was one of the guinea pigs. Okay. And I'm told I'm told that I was the first person to sign up to. So, <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> so you went to. So I did that for two years. Right. And when you went to missionary school, what was the goal? The goal. Um, I'm not sure. Like. Throughout mm-hmm. my whole life, I've kind of been unclear about, <laughs> even now, unclear about where, what I want to do, um, who I am, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only been very clear about what I want to do right now. And right. at that time, I wanted to, I was kind of discerning, discerning priesthood. Um, I felt like that's where I, I, I was supposed to be. And I thought two years in missionary schools surrounded by all these things would have helped me to figure out if that was my path. Um, obviously, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you're not a priest, a priest right now. Okay. Interesting. Not, not, not the kind of priest that, I'm a priest in a different way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but let's call my preacher and saying they find I have a, a preacher vibes. A preacher vibes. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> And so what happened after those two years at missionary school? Because I, I hear you saying that you kind of, you didn't really know what you're doing at that point, but you're kind of exploring different parts of you. Right. Um, after missionary school, uh, well, the school had a whole set of issues that I wouldn't go into, but I ended up leaving the school and I went right. to study history and you, and that's where I would have met you. Um, right. But yeah, I I am um, similar to the missionary thing, I wasn't very clear. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I, I wanted to do this now. So I signed up to do history. Um because right. I was reading voraciously, I was reading like ridiculously. Mm-hmm. And uh, history was a reading subject and I, I was able to get into it. So I say why not? And uh, the Jamaica thing was me just wanting to be away from home, like as far away from home as right. possible. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, those two things came together. Me wanting to read more and understand the world more and me wanting to be away. So I went to Jamaica and I did that for a year. Um, artistically, what I was doing during that period was writing and uh, spoken word poetry. That was my vibe. Oh, at that time. Okay, yeah. so... Spoken word. All right. So that's something you still do. How did that even come about? <laughs> Spoken word. Um, around the time for university, spoken word was kind of bubbling up 
in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, more people was talking about it. So I started to look into it on YouTube, etc. And mm-hmm. um, one of my friends was hosting a show. And I had never done it before. And he, but he knew I was interested in it. He knew I was watching the videos and we would be discussing poems and things. Right. So he said, hey, having a show, come on, like be one of the opening acts, you know, try your hand at something. And right. I did. And um, it was apparently good enough that people say, hey, keep, keep doing it. So I kept doing it for about two years or so. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's something you did in Jamaica too? Because um, I know they had a movement year, over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get to explore the movement in Jamaica, but uh, I performed a couple times on hall right. for events that the cluster had and the hall had and the people asked me to perform. Right. Because you won Rex too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the funny thing. I had never seen you on hall, even though we were living on the same hall. But it was when we really? had that course together. That's when I started noticing you. Which One of those foundation courses. Um, right. I can't remember the name of it, but and we end up yeah, in the yeah, same yeah. group and all kind of thing. That's how we realized we lived on the same hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. So good then, time. like, all right. So you said you you were into spoken word, and that was kind of like your first means of creatively expressing yourself in that kind of way. Um. Um. Yeah. So so it was spoken word, and well, before Jamaica, if I could kind of double back, mm-hmm. the writing thing was. Um, Alright, so if I could find a common theme throughout my whole journey is the fact that I have, I'm overwhelmed by thoughts and I look <laughs> for ways to make sense of them. Okay. So I used to write um, before Jamaica, spoken mm-hmm. word, but also I was the editor of the, um, the youth paper for the Catholic News. So okay. there was the Catholic News and I had this little pullout for young people and I used to write for them and then they asked me to be the editor and I did that for a couple of months before going to Jamaica. Okay. Um, so in Jamaica, I was doing the spoken word on a small scale, but underneath it, I was writing. So I'd written a book, I put it in quotation marks, is a <laughs> novel that I'm, I'm now ashamed of. But it's good that I was able to complete something. I, I would have been, what, 21, 22 at the time, 22. Yeah. So that was, that was good. Um, yeah, yeah, that was me artistically. But well, come, put on the novella. I want to read that. I will read that. Even if it's just a laugh. <laughs> uh, uh, <nah>. so you, <laughs> you said that after now, the first year in Jamaica, you returned to Trinidad, right? And then you completed your history yeah. degree. That's what happened. You completed the history degree. Yeah, so I did one year in Jamaica. Um, and I could have continued, but I kind of was uncomfortable with how much money I was spending right. to go to Jamaica with the tickets and accommodations and food and things. Mm-hmm. And I've always been kind of uncomfortable with money, um, with people spending money on me, people here being my parents. Yeah. So I said, you know what, let me come home and ease them up a little bit. And I was able to just transfer the credits and things and continue okay. as normal. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that worked out. But so then, what was your plan now? When you came back, you did a history degree. You said when you started the program, you didn't really have like a kind of vision of where you're going, but you just wanted to learn more about world's history and so on. So at this point yeah. where, you know, 
we have a, a history degree, we wrote a novella, and we have some spoken with talent. So what really happened at this stage in your journey? Um, I was still unclear about it. I had options. Um, with a history degree, options kind of limited. Mm -hmm. um, so there was teaching. Teaching was a possible option. Okay. Uh, so I signed up for teaching after graduating. And I only got through last year. Like it takes a very long time the teaching oh, process. Wow. So I ended up, so there was teaching and the next option was um, being a vagrant. I, I <laughs> tried that for a little bit. I was a, I was a vagrant in my own house, basically. I was at home, but without a job or, you know, any teacher. <laughs> but, but the other option, the third option was journalism um, okay. with a history degree. So I, I signed up for uh, after university thingy majiggy with music. With, with, with everybody, but I only get Yeah, I'd applied to everywhere and Newsday was the only one who accepted. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I did that for I did that for two summer vacations. What we call it in Trinidad again, that's summer, um, Papa. Java, Java, Java. Java. Java, Java. Yes. Java. <laughs> yeah, two Java, two Javas. And um, I was able to get a permanent job with them for All a right. year, um, a couple months after I graduated completely from UE. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the comedy thing, the comedy thing would have started during UE in Trinidad, a friend of mine um, wanted to start a satirical online newspaper similar oh. to The Onion. I don't know if you're familiar with The Onion. No. <laughs> so it's, it's a paper, it tries to mimic the news, except in a funny way. And a couple mm -hmm. of us in Trinidad had known about it. And we say, you know what, the Caribbean needs something like this. Right. So we started the Little Club News. And Little Club News <laughs> yeah yeah kind of ridiculous yeah it became like a cultural staple <laughs> yeah and the, the articles reach all over like i remember because at the time trinidad didn't yet like that was like satire as an art form wasn't as familiar thing even though we have calypsonians that use it like yeah. you're not used to seeing it in print so a lot of people used to believe the articles because you you know it's the internet to believe whoever and that was yes. never the intention. But basically, it was that, fake news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not really. I wouldn't call it that. But people, people started calling it that. Mm -hmm. um, I remember there was this article I wrote that Google was going to buy Trinidad and Tobago <laughs> um, for some amount of some billions of dollars. And, and that was the most viral article that got millions of reads <laughs> and people reposted in Nigeria it had sites <laughs> in Nigeria reposting it and, and the vex with Google angry <laughs> <laughs> it gets so serious to the point that Snopes that is this international website that um that you know says whether something is true or not whether something right. is fake news they had to put out an article um about our article saying no this oh. isn't <laughs> That's when you know you're real big. <laughs> I know, that was crazy. That was a crazy time. Big and that's Angelo so interesting. 
Who who were mm. the other writers? Angelo Hart, Angelo Hart, and um, Stefan Taylor. We were okay. the, so Angelo and I started it at first, and then Stefan came on, mm-hmm. and then a couple of people swing through. Liel Bain, she's our attorney now. Okay. Um, she was involved for a little period of time. Dennis McNichols was involved. Mm-hmm. Nerissa Frazier wrote a couple of actors. She's now at Newsday. Um, right. Yeah. But we were the okay, cool. All right, cool. So then you kind of always, at some different point, at different stages, you always had this kind of outlet, whether it be writing your spoken word through being an express, I mean, a Newsday writer, sorry. Yeah. And... <laughs> And then now you step into the realm of comedy. Yeah. Because, because yeah. I mean, satirical articles, they were essentially comedy, but it wasn't what you're doing now, which is like stand up and delivering it to us via video, but you were just kind of entertaining us through the written word, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, the stand up thing came too from me. So while I was doing Little Clock, I was also doing spoken word. Okay. But I was kind of getting tired of these spoken word vibes because I felt like the way I wanted to, the things I wanted to say, the thoughts I had, I couldn't best express it in spoken word. Okay. At least I thought so. I've, I've realized now that that is not true. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I felt that way. And I was looking for a new outlet. And I started watching a lot of stand-up comedy. Okay. And I fell in love with the art form. And I said, I want to try it. And I never got the chance because I didn't know anybody in Trinidad doing stand-up comedy right. until my girlfriend at the time, she bought tickets to a Rachel Price show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, Rachel was amazing. I mean, people do like she, right? They think she, <laughs> and she is, she is, you know, she's real cousin and she a guy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she's incredible at her craft, right? But anyway, she had somebody doing stand-up the way I recognize it um, okay. to open her show. That's Kareem Rockwell. And I was like, yo, this man doing what I what want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I link up with him. I link up with him on Twitter. And I was just on the lookout for opportunities. And I ended up performing for my first time in Truth of No Lie. Big okay. up Ivan, Ivan, Ivan Mendoza. Oh, I better pronounce the man first name. Um, <laughs> right. Cute red man with the bearded girls like him. Um, <laughs> yeah, he have an open mic. It was the biggest open mic in, in Port of Spain. And really? I tried my hand on a bus, a bus guy. <laughs> worst performance of my life. Now nah, I've had worse since. I've had worse since, but a bus. <laughs> a little laugh? Um, they, they laughed not at the joke. They laughed at me. They laughed at the <laughs> fact that I tried. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I tried. I mean, it was my first time and I, I wanted to try some dark jokes because mm-hmm. I have like a dark sense of humor. Um, and uh, I didn't learn, I mean, I never did before. So I didn't okay. learn these skills I know now as to how to trick our audience into laughing at dark jokes. Okay. Um, at the time I just thought I could just say whatever I say now. And people were like taken aback by it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> Yeah, and they laughed, they laughed at me more than anything else. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I continued because there was two people in the audience who, mm-hmm. I guess like me, they were interested in stand-up. Mm-hmm. And they came up to me after and I was like, yo, I like, I see what I was trying to do. Um, <laughs> and they explained, 
they said I inspired them despite making nobody laugh intentionally. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, okay, well, I'll keep trying. And I, I right. bought for like six months. I was doing comedy <laughs> for six months without a laugh. Without a genuine laugh. <laughs> for six months, you're just going, doing stand-up and embarrassing yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, that is still happening from time to time. It's stand-up. <laughs> like, that's part of the process. Um, yeah. Like, when you have a new joke, you're not sure if it's going to work. Uh, these are people who understand, like when they watch Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle, all these people on yeah. Netflix, guys, they finished product. Right. But those guys, when they listen to them in, in interviews, they talk about taking two years, um, right. a year to two years to develop an hour long special. And that, that includes the process of going to small open mics mm-hmm. and bossing, what they would call bombing. Right. And it's through bombing, they learn, okay, this where the joke needs a little editing, we could add in a word here, we could put a line here. Right. It takes them a year to build those jokes into what we enjoy on Netflix and YouTube and stuff. Um, so yeah, it took me a while too, but okay. yeah. <laughs> and you see, that's interesting because now after going through that whole process, you have the confidence to do this whole man behind the bars thing, but that was after... <laughs> going through all of those embarrassing experiences and coming to a level now where you've kind of honed your craft in a way that you know how to deliver jokes that will be better received. Yeah, yeah, in a way. For Instagram, at least. Mm-hmm. So Instagram got me a lot of, you know, everybody following me, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But on stage, is still a process. Like, some people are really good on stage, like, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I could think of Kevin Sawyer. I could think of... Junior Lee, Javel Junior Lee, um, people who just have a natural stage presence right. and they know how to work a crowd. I don't have to, I just take a while to get used to my jokes. So I have a, my, my <laughs> process is busting first. Like I usually bust when I have a new idea. Okay. I just take my at least two tries before I figure out, okay, how to, how to make this work. <laughs> okay. So then, and that's funny how you see people following you on Instagram. I remember. When I was right. you had like a couple hundred followers, and then I just see Kwame had thousands of followers, and I'm like, what is happening here? I have to like go through your profile and see what's going on. Because at first, I wasn't even really seeing your content on my Instagram. So I saw this one, yeah, and I went yeah. and I and it's like I ended up in this kind of um, deep dark hole where I'm just going through all these videos. But yeah, you've really really come <laughs> yeah. a long way. Now, when I first interviewed you, like. 2018. That was because I was really interested in the work you were doing with Carrie Comedy. And well, I don't know if a lot right. of people have known yeah. that you were behind Carrie Comedy, you and your team. So tell me how you went from that transition of doing late o'clock news to starting the Carrie Comedy group. Right. Um, well, with late o'clock, so we started it off as a fun thing. We just fooling around on the internet. But then people started telling us we had business, had business potential. Right. And um, the team ended up breaking up when that conversation came about because everybody had their own ideas. You know, a little, a Beyonce, Destiny's Child kind of vibe. <laughs> everybody had their own ideas as to what was the best next steps. And um, so the name Carrie Comedy, I, I, we had actually legally changed Little Clock to Carrie Comedy. Because okay. that was supposed to be become what Carrie Comedy was. And okay. when we had a little falling out, 
and I say, you know what I go on? Like I pick up my bat and my ball and I say, I don't play. And I listen. Um, I, I asked that I get to take the name Carrie Comedy with me and they were gracious enough to give it. Okay. And I ended up starting my own thing. I pulled my team, Dennis McNichols and Aaron Seaton. Um, and I whole team of actors. And yeah, we started Carrie Comedy. The goal was to, to have videos online mm-hmm. and that would translate into live shows. Um, okay. Yeah. And we, and we wanted to be not just putting out videos and content online, but to be a platform for other people in the industry to, mm-hmm. to earn money now. And we, okay. can, we, we achieved that to some degree. Our actors have been paid for, for our live shows and we, we put money in stand-up comedy, stand-up comedians' pockets. So. Okay. Nice. And I know you all, those videos went viral. I mean, some of them having more than a million views on Facebook. Was that something that you expected, yeah. like that level of success? Um, I kind of, I knew it was possible because of Little Clock. Mm-hmm. I saw certain things reach like ridiculous numbers from right. Little Clock. So I was like, okay, this is possible. Um, but it was always a surprise with Carrie Comedy, which videos would kill and which wouldn't and because sometimes you just put in a real week in a video and it will slap and then right. sometimes you just slap slap together a video and everybody like it and so there was a little bit of unpredictability there but mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun right and is car comedy something that's still alive um yeah yeah so i took a break mm-hmm. <laughs> a indefinite break last year um because I thought it was time for me to do, because so I've been behind brands like for six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And this is where I've been, this is the first time that I have my own face um, as my brand and my own name as my brand. As right. you see, like up to September last year, I had um, like the average amount of followers I know my person of your age, our age would have. I had like 700 and something followers and I used mm-hmm. to post on Instagram because I don't care about yeah. pictures and <laughs> um, but yeah, I decided, you know what, I want to do something because I was performing stand-up. Right. I was performing stand-up around the country and I would flatten stages like me and, me and I think Javel in the chat, me right. and Javel and, and um, Anil and Carl and George and all these people used to be pumping all over the country performing stand-up right. and killing stages. Right. And it never translated necessarily into people following us on Instagram and thing because right, when somebody see in our show. Yeah. We wouldn't really know if we exactly. did attend the show. Yeah. Exactly. So I always used to tell them that I wanted to start putting out stuff online so people would know what the scene is like so they could because it's about, it's about a group of people in Trinidad, some of them probably watching the live right now, who believe when they think Caribbean comedy or Trinidad mm-hmm. comedy, they think of not to talk about them in a bad way, but they think about Larry Joseph and right. that brand of comedy, which is a legitimate brand of comedy. But mm-hmm. young people from our age and thing, we do really like that. We prefer stand-up and we right. prefer the kind of comedy we see on TV. And right. so a lot of people our age, we still invite them to shows and they'll be like, nah, because they think we're going to do Larry Joseph kind of stuff. Right. And um, so I think it was necessary for the movement for all of us to start putting out our content online so people could know no we have some serious work going on here right. and um 
hope it worked out for me. I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, I and it, I think that's like really important, particularly for the development of the art form in not just in Trinidad and Tobago, but within the Caribbean region as a whole, so that we don't have this consumption culture where um, we only uh, take in what is fed to us from mainstream America. But you know that we have right. stories to tell too that are just as entertaining and just as meaningful, you know. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's probably sure. something that you would have seen too with, with how viral the carry comedy videos were because the kind of views you got, I mean, when you looked at your stats, were they just from Trinidad and Tobago from the Caribbean? No, 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 no. Um, them thing used to reach all over. So it would be Trinidad, but be, be predominant amount of views, but it would go to the diaspora, right. Chinese and Caribbean people living in America and the UK. Mm -hmm. But it would have some strange people who would, people you wouldn't expect, Americans. Right. That would that, be right now too. Um, okay. White people, <laughs> white, <laughs> white Americans, who I would think wouldn't understand the accent, and yeah. but they understand the, the feeling and they understand the vibe and the and the theme that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so and just to make this point, like I've been in the entertainment kind of scene for a while, mm. and one of the, the debates people always have is, um, should we package our stuff in a way for our creative work in a way for um, audiences outside to understand it right. because we want to make money and Trinidad is too small a market sometimes mm -hmm. to make the kind of money men want to make mm -hmm. so it's a good question but, but people tend to answer the question by saying we need to change the accent and talk in a way right. but People love we accent. People love we accent, <laughs> and, and Jamaicans understand that. You know, you know that Jamaicans understand that. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember in Jamaica, um, at night I was going to the to the mat from from hall. I was walking towards the mat, right? Mm -hmm. And while I walk, and I hear a bicycle coming up behind me, right? So I see, well, this man have eyes because he riding a bike. So he must see <laughs> that I in front of him now. So I not pay no attention. But I keep hearing the sound coming closer and closer. So I said, I'm going to look back and see what's going on, right? And he was uncomfortably close to me. So I stepped to the side. And it just so happened that he also pulled to the same side. <laughs> and he ran straight into me, right? And that man started cuss in patois, like straight Jamaican. And I just, there like, I don't know what you're saying, brother. And, and I said, I was like, sir, I don't know what you're saying. And he didn't even attempt to change his accent to speak yeah. in a way that I can understand. He continued, dog, because they don't care. <laughs> Either you understand them or not. Yeah, and it's that's very attractive. Yeah. It's very attractive. And, and I mean, even in terms of like those of them who try to be very commercial, like YouTube and so on. They don't dilute their accent. It's like, okay, if you need to use subtitles, use it. But I'm just gonna be me. <laughs> exactly. And that authenticity is attractive. Like any sign of fakeness does make people not feel it, even if your content is supposedly good, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. So then, okay, fine. So you're doing carry comedy and all these things, you're putting all these videos. And so you're really being your best creative self. Um, but in terms of employment, 
all this time were you still working at Newsday? Like what was happening behind the scenes? Was it that you were making sufficient through comedy to support um, your living? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so after Newsday, um, I was unemployed for a while and I was hitting, com no, I left Newsday. I didn't, mm -hmm. I left Newsday after a year to focus on building carry comedy. And it worked in that we were able to build, we had our best show that year when I had all my time dedicated. Right. And we kind of sell out supper, we did well in Queens Hall. And the show was so successful. It was such a funny show. I wish we could keep doing it over and over. Um, like real <laughs> top class quality content, to be honest. But people who want the show don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And, but then we, so the money we made from the shows wasn't enough to be paying in personal pockets. It right. was enough to go back into the company to fund the future stuff. Mm -hmm. So I got to the point where I needed to get a job. And um, I was lucky enough to get through with teaching, mm -hmm. um, temporarily with teaching. Okay. I was teaching at Presentation College Shogunas, um mm -hmm. because a teacher there got sick. Um, and they needed a replacement. So I got through with that and I did that for three, well, a term. Mm -hmm. And a similar thing happened again with Pres Sando, which is my right. alma mater. Uh, a teacher there got sick. I don't know. And he's about to tell me, sorry, people just be like, no, people just getting sick for you to get jobs. <laughs> I don't know. Right? But he, he gets sick. I get a work and I'm still there right now. Um, yeah. So Teaching that's that been my income. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like in terms of your um, creative corporate balance, I know that's usually uh, one of the most challenging things for creative people. You know, um, right. they, they first of all find themselves in corporate situations because the reality of having to financially support yourself. Um, right. And sometimes that kind of takes them or puts them in a space where they don't feel creative. Do you feel like that's your experience? Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, because, for example, with that dark joke, um, the I have so many dark jokes that I don't do <laughs> right now, at least, um, mm -hmm. because of that whole corporate thing. And we in Trinidad too. Um, and Trinidad is kind of a conservative a weird conservative place is like we conservative sometimes but then other times not and it had yeah. to really figure out what people so I, I, just, I just have to play it safe i just have to play it safe on the internet mm -hmm. so um especially particularly because i'm a teacher that's the real right. thing like if it was if i was making um if i had enough money if i was rich mm -hmm. um i wouldn't have been that concerned uh, right. about corporate image because mm -hmm. my intention is not to be a I don't want to be a social media person um I my intention with these videos was just to introduce myself to the country and right. to people to say hey look at me I could do this um right. but come and see me at shows mm -hmm. um yeah but it kind of took on a life of its own my intention was to do it from September to December and yeah. my goal was to get 5,000 followers <laughs> I got to reach 5,000. I had 700 at the time. I thought that was impossible. Right. Um, 
But then by December, I had 8,000. Mm-hmm. And, and now uh, you're at almost 20,000, right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, yeah, and I so, many <laughs> so many persons from so many different quarters are like commending you. I saw um one of those news anchors from TTT. She was saying yeah, that she liked you. see what TTT Right. And I was like, eh, eh, call me big in the dance. <laughs> yeah, this thing's so weird, eh? Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Okay. So at this point, like, what would you say is your driving force behind continuing to produce creatively and produce work? And at the same time, do you see yourself doing comedy exclusively? Where do you see yourself going from here onward? Or is that something you're still figuring out? Um, no, I kind of get clearer about my direction. Slowly but surely, right? Mm. <laughs> so it took me 29 years. But um, <laughs> that, the first question was what you asked. Um, if you see yourself doing comedy exclusively. Right. Um, you know, not necessarily comedy, but art, creative work. Um, I still want to write. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want. To, so, so my how how I see myself um, is very. I'm, I'm a journey. I've, I try to separate it from the idea of a career and money and okay. thing. Um, I, I guess I'm a purist in that way. <laughs> um, an artistic purist. It's have certain things I just want to create well. Like I want mm-hmm. to say, hey, I did a novel and I'm actually proud of the novel. Not like the thing I write so much of a years ago. That was that's trash. But <laughs> I want to be able to write a novel. Hey, this was really good. And we did that. And I want to be able to write um, TV show scripts and say, yo, this was my work and I like this. So I see my future as like by projects more than by career and Okay. Which is not necessarily good, but it's how <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah. What would what advice you'd give to creatives then? Because I hear something coming through where you know, saying in that sense, you're somewhat of a creative purist. What advice you'd give creatives regarding that corporate creative balance? That is producing art, right? Um, and not feeling uncomfortable with the reality that your art has some economic value and that you're entitled right. to, to gain that from it right um well all right i don't remember the first you said what was my drive my drive right now is and it ties into this answer too is um i feel like it's not a decision it just kind of i am always overwhelmed by thoughts and this is how i express myself right and i feel like that will continue forever mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but with that question with the trying to strike that balance between your creative mm-hmm. and your corporate stuff um is to be as honest as possible with yourself yeah. um like a lot of times we we kind of shield ourselves with platitudes and these ideas that we read in books and youtube videos and we're not really getting to the core of why exactly we want to do something and right. where's your goal and some people are afraid of admitting money is the goal. Um, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so for me, money is not really the goal. It is part of the goal. Um, but for me, the goal is projects. And um, because right. that is clear in my head, it helps me to 
be all, uh, it helps my decision making. So I've turned down certain opportunities because I say, well, it's nice, but that's not really what I want to do right now. Right. Um, yeah, so, so being very clear about what you want to do, um, what you want to achieve will help making that decision easier. Uh, uh, so, so the social media thing for me right now, the purpose of it was for people to get to know me and to know my brand, mm-hmm. um, to know my sense of humor. And so I, I've tried to shape my content and the decisions I make, with the jokes that I'm making online based on that as well. Um, yeah, so that's the first step. Just knowing exactly what you want to do. And mm-hmm. because sometimes once you have numbers, certain people will be reaching out there on social media right. to promote this, do that. Um, for example, uh, a page, <laughs> a page that um, was all about hot girls. Like the page on <laughs> the Instagram page, it had a big amount of followers and it's just girls with bikinis and things, right? <laughs> and I have no problems with girls with bikinis, right? But that is not what I want to be known for on, at, and I, I don't want to be known for that, right? So right. I have to say, well, nah, dog. And he's like, no, I'll pay you this amount of money. I was like, nah, bro, mm-hmm. um, I can't do it, you know? But I, and I recommended him to other people um, who might be interested. Be mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that clarity is important. And I, I feel like that is the most important step that you can't, you can't, um, you can't take for granted. You can't rush past that step either because mm-hmm. you end up making mistakes you could have avoided if you answer that question for yourself at first. That's so important. That is so important. So what, what advice you would give to anybody at this point as we wrap up who feels like they have this part of them that they want to express creatively uh, be it comedy or any other type of art form, um, but they really don't know where to start. What would your advice be to them? Um, <laughs> it was some stupid, but yeah, they try a thing. Yeah, they try a thing. <laughs> um, and that is a big step a lot of people don't make. Eh? Uh, like, <laughs> so I posted a picture. Everybody see you saw a picture of my, my roti two days, like a couple of days ago, right? I tried to make bus up shut and it, yes, honestly, I saw come it. Out, I saw it. it honestly come out like bus up Sarah. It come out like bus <laughs> up Sarah, right? It's nothing, not at all like what I wanted it to be. And people was like, so I made a joke that I leave in comedy to become a chef, right? People yeah. was like, no, stick to comedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I've tried so many things throughout my lifetime. Um, things that I had no business trying. Mm-hmm. And it's only because I try it and I say, okay, so this is why it failed. I could do this to make it better. I know that my next bus of Shaka Kaila is going to be awesome. <laughs> because I know what I'm doing wrong. I wanted to but post it, that. Post it, but whatever. I'm it up for people to critique. I might have a taste test all kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but to come back to the question, um, you, you had to try a thing. You had to, if you're feeling like you're... You want to do spoken word? Like I felt at one point in time, mm-hmm. try it. It's have open mics, it's have truth of no lie. But I don't know how long we're going to be in quarantine for, <laughs> but it's have truth <laughs> of no lie. And, and the people who have open mics, they have been doing the online talent show type thing. So you could look out for that. Um, try a thing. If people do respond to it, it could mean that, um, it does not mean, what it definitely doesn't mean is that that is not for you. 
because right. my first joke was crap and look at doing it now. Right. So, but you wouldn't, you would never know unless you, you try. So you had to try a thing, try a thing at an open mic if it's, if it's spoken word. And if through that process you realize, hmm, I like talking, but I realize that I'm veering more towards making people laugh. Maybe let me try stand up, try mm -hmm. stand up, see if I feel a little more comfortable. Just keep trying stuff. Um, yeah, because I think what artists are, like if I could define artists, is somebody who kind of overwhelmed by these inner things, whether it's thoughts or feelings, mm -hmm. and you want to express it, and you're not really sure. Some people are very clear from young. I mean, if you have a good voice, the obvious thing is, hey, I could be a singer. Right. Um, or if you have good grammar, people say, hey, you should be a writer. But for some people, it's not as clear where right. all this inner energy should be expressed. And the only way you can find it is by trying things and seeing where you're comfortable. Um, so yeah, that's my advice. <laughs> well, that's an excellent place for us just to end this interview. I think that's really stellar advice. Kwame, thanks so much for joining us. I will be uploading the audio to this um, podcast episode sometime over the weekend, hopefully. Thanks so very much. Right. appreciate your time and the effort and the energy. And just to summarize everything that you said, um, what I got from the interview this evening is that, first of all, if you have an idea, if you feel passionate about something, you're driven in a certain direction, you feel that a certain thing is your purpose, then just try it. That is the only way to know if this thing is worth any while, right? If it's worth your while. So just try it. Have a try something attitude. The next thing I saw was to let go of pride. You were willing to embarrass yourself repeatedly to go to shows and do your stand-up comedy where people, <laughs> they're not giving you any vibes at all. Let go of pride. Yeah. So try something attitude, let go of pride. So that you could just launch out there and whether or not you know you're a big hit or a crash at least you know that you tried right and you didn't fail to try because that's what real failure is right and the third I thing I, I heard was perseverance yeah keep going yeah for sure keep going so thank you very much kwami for sharing with us and i hope that everybody has a good evening stay at home and what stay safe stay alive bye Bye-bye. <laughs>